Hello, everybody. Happy May Day. Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview at the War Memorial Opera House. My name is Claire Sheridan. I'm the founder of the LEAP program at St. Mary's College of California, and I'm your host here today for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. It's Sunday, May 1st, 2011, and this is program eight. I do want to announce that some of these Meet the Artist interviews uh, will be available as podcasts on our website at sfballet.org. My guest today was born in Estonia. He began his career with the Estonian National Ballet and made dance history there when he danced the principal role of Prince Siegfried in Swan Lake at the ripe old age of 18. He then danced with England's Birmingham Royal Ballet, and in 2005, lucky for us, he joined the San Francisco Ballet as a principal dancer. You've seen him perform lead roles here in Swan Lake, Nutcracker, Giselle, and The Sleeping Beauty, as well as in ballets by George Balanchine, Val Canaparoli, and Christopher Wielden, among many others. I just think he's an exceptional human being. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Teet Helmets. Hi. I understand that neither of your parents were dancers, but um, that your mom noticed that you, at a very young age, had talent. Can you tell us specifically what she observed about you that made her think that you could become a dancer? Um, hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was really interested in opera in general, and in Estonia, uh, it's usually podcast and shown on TV all the time, opera and ballet. And when those shows were on, I was very focused and was watching them and stopped my play. So I guess she just thought I had interest in arts. So how old were you when you started your training? I was 10. And what was it about ballet that made you stick with it? Well, actually, the first year was really hard. Uh, I called home and I would complain and say, Mom, this is really hard. I have to do this really slow routines and just hold on to this bar. And uh, it didn't really sit all in until I, was, um, I saw a performance. And I saw Swan Lake was one of my first performances that I saw. And then I just fell in love with the whole theater aspect. It was a boarding school? Yes. And then, um, what was difficult for you as a student, besides then the boredom of holding onto the bar, but as you developed as a dancer, was there something that, that, that was difficult for you? I think the discipline. I, I think it's really hard for the, for the boys, just in general, because we don't have that kind of pink tutu fantasy and uh, sugar plum fairy. <laughs> I, I think it's really hard for us to just kind of stay focused on, well, what is the outcome for us, you know? Who are we looking up to? And then you kind of develop that as you go through school. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been with, here in San Francisco for seven years. How have you changed since uh, you first arrived? Maybe first as a dancer. I think uh, just having the opportunity to do such variety of works here I think it will change any dancer who is coming in from other companies because the companies that I did came in from were primarily classical. We did very few modern works, no new, hardly any new works. And uh, so I think just adds to your vocabulary to be able to come and do new works here. 
Um, how do you like to fill your time when you're not dancing? Take care of my wife, my daughter. Why don't you tell us about that? Um, some of you may know that um, Tita is married to Molly Smolin, who was a principal dancer here at the company from 2006 to 2008. Do you want to give us a family update? Well, we currently have a daughter who is running around in the aisles <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> She's very active. She's 15 months old, uh, just experimenting with words. And, uh, yeah, it's your, my hands are full and her hands are full. And Molly goes to school full-time and I work full-time. So Where, Where's Molly going to school? She's going to UC Berkeley. She's uh, in law school. A nice transition. So uh, I understand that you're going back to Estonia this summer. Yes. Can you tell us about that project? I am going back to Estonia to bring a little small group of dancers and perform great American choreographers' work. So we're performing two, two days in Estonia and we're doing Apollo. Balanchine's Apollo and Valkyrie Parolis Ibsen House and little excerpts of some wonderful ballet. How did that come about? Was it a dream of yours to bring these dances back to Estonia? I, it was just, I, the opportunity re, uh, presented itself and I just grabbed it. And I didn't want it to let to slip by, so I just did everything I could to make it happen. So are you, are you, um, it's quite complicated in the fact that you have to almost like run a mini company and the fundraising and so forth. And so I suppose you're learning quite a bit about the art of uh, directing such a project. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly an eye-opener for me. And, uh, yeah, having to raise funds and organize things for people is really actually fun. And I'm... As far as transition, transitions go, this will be uh, something interesting I would look forward to doing in the future. So, um, some of the, f uh, if you're, I'll break here because I want to let you know that we will be taking questions from the audience, so if you might be formulating some questions in your mind. If you're just joining us, I am in conversation with Teet Helmets, and in a short while, we'll take those questions. But first, let's talk about The Little Mermaid. You know, folks, I, I saw that the ballet last year, and there are sections of that ballet that are, just, that are just etched into my brain. And I think this ballet stays with you, and you'll be thinking about it for a long time afterwards. Um, what do you personally want the audience to know about this ballet before they see it? Well, it's not your standard Disney version mermaid. Um, it is very much in-depth uh, characterizations all the way through the ballet. Uh, it's, uh, it's very moving. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you will have memories forever. So, When it premiered last year, Helgi Thomason said that this ballet is different from, from anything the dancers had done before. And how is it different? How, this, how does this story ballet differ from something like Giselle? You've played both roles of the prince in Giselle and the prince in Little Mermaid. For, for me, particularly, it's different because I've, I've actually never pl played a character like this before. Um, and uh, so it was 
it was kind of hard at first to find even my ground a little bit. I was just very, uh, my idea usually of Prince is very much um, kind of regal and very, uh, very different, very, very classical. And this Prince is, is although he's regal, he's not um, classical as such, but he kind of wears very standard daily clothes and, and, um, and it was actually the birth of my daughter that helped me to just kind of get, find ground in this particular role because often I treat Mermaid as a little child. And so that really helped me with the whole concept of this role. Uh. Can you tell us a little bit more about the character of the prince? Is, is he a, a good guy, a bad guy, or, is, or maybe a complex person, a, a simple character? You must have thought about this quite a bit. He is a very good guy. He um, loves to take care of people. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's just young and in, extremely innocent. And uh, so, so he hurts other people, and that is not intentional. Yeah. The, the movement that you perform in this ballet, how is it different from a classical uh, t vocabulary? Uh, well, the great thing about John's stuff is he always has a meaning behind everything. So um, often in classical ballet, we just have steps that are put there by centuries and centuries before, so you just, they're just steps. You don't know what the meaning is behind them, but they were put into place and you just do them, and they've been perfected to this standard. And with John, there is, you know, uh, a particular meaning behind the step and the, the, the intention, so you're, um, you have much more of an idea of an understanding of what is it that I'm doing with this particular step? So, and John breaks it down for you. It's really helpful. You're talking about John Neumeyer, who's John Neumeyer, yes. yes, who choreographed the ballet, but is also credited with the with the scenic design, the, the costumes, and the lighting, I believe, yeah. as well. That's quite unusual to take on all that creative responsibility. Can you tell us a little bit about working with John in the studio? I, it it was just such a great experience to be working with somebody who uh, cares about every single aspect of the ballet, you know, your intention, how you, what, what is the quality of the movement, what is the relationship to all the characters around you. Uh, it's really, really fun for the dancers to have somebody like so involved. And so it's, it was a wonderful experience. Um, can you talk about the music? Hmm. I heard it was it's, it's not at times you, it's difficult to count and, and so to make a connection to the music it, it's a different uh, process for some dancers did you feel that way? well I, I do know that there are different sounds that represent also the sounds of the sea the sounds of the when you're on land uh, there, are, there are definitely themes running through this whole uh, score. There are themes that represent mermaid, and there are themes that represent um, the sea witch, and and so it's a very, I guess it's as complex uh, music as it is 
what John has portrayed with it, all of the characters. So it's uh, a very interesting collaboration. Uh, tonight, the role of the prince will be p uh, played by Pierre-Francois Villanova. So you'll be in a, uh, a treat. On May 3rd and 5th, this ballet will be filmed live here at the Opera House. Um, both performances will be edited into one program that will be broadcast nationally on PBS and made into a DVD. And Teat will be dancing the role of the prince for that, a filming. Now, when the, <laughs> when the cameras are rolling, how does that, maybe you don't even notice, but how does that affect you as a performer? Because, because instead of performing for a few thousand people, you are performing for millions. How does that affect you, and what's the mood backstage, do you think? How does that differ? I, I would think that it will be, it just depends how you approach it. Do you, do you think it's still a live performance, or do you think that you need to be now extremely good? You know, like, <laughs> it really just depends what kind of standards you put on yourself. If you just perform for the sake of performing, and they just tape the two shows, and, and uh, they put together their version of what's best for them, and I just think that if you're used to giving 100% all the time, you should just do exactly the same thing and just form, but uh, often people put these standards on themselves, like, I have to be, like, amazing now, you know? <laughs> uh, well, it's just ultimately up to a person. Uh, during the ballet, when you're off stage, do you stay in character? Uh, I try to. Mm -hmm. I try to. Um, it's not often easy, because there is a lot of chatter going around backstage, and so you have to just kind of remove yourself or you just or you're good at characterization and just can slip back into character mm -hmm. it it really just depends on the individual and how do you um prepare yourself for a performance so you, what's your pre-performance ritual i work it backwards so i work it from the time i put costume on how long it takes me to put the costume on? Do I want extra time to go back on the stage to try something? And then it goes to my warm-up, and then it goes the time it takes me to put my makeup on. And so I just work all backwards. Do you eat pasta before a show? Or do you eat? Are you, oh, you know what? I usually try to eat a good like three, four hours before so that I won't have a full stomach mm -hmm. during the show. And then how do you recover afterwards? I mean, can you, can you just go home and go to sleep, or do you lay there replaying the entire ballet in your mind? Or? Well, it, it really just depends how the show goes. So if it goes really well, that high will last you up until like 3 o'clock in the morning, and you just can't shut your mind off. But if, if it kind of... Or if it's not even like such an important show, or that your part is kind of secondary, so you just go home and go to sleep, but other times when it goes worse, you just keep going through in your mind, how can you fix it next time? Or It's, it's really hard to unwind after a show, because you finish very late, and then often people go home and eat, and so it, there's all this stimulation in your body, so you can't just shut it down. And um, my last question is, do you choreograph? I have choreographed, yes. And I am doing two pieces this year, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. 
didn't know. That's, that's news to me. Where? where? I, am, I am choreographing the piece for the uh, cruise ship that we're taking to Alaska. And uh, it's going to be premiered, world premiere there. And uh, on the other occasion, I am doing world premiere for the Estonian National Ballet in October. Well, with that, um, <laughs> uh, questions? Yes, ma'am. Is he taking dancers, uh, San Francisco ballet dancers, with him on his journey? Are you taking San Francisco ballet dancers with you to Estonia? Yes, I am. Ooh. I am taking uh, Sarah Van Patten, Francis Chung, Jim Sofranco, uh, Nicole Ciaponi, Sasha De Sola, and Daniel Devison. Other questions? Yes. Where did you learn your English? It's very good. Well, my wife is American. And so when I met her 13 years ago, on our first date, I used a dictionary. <laughs> because I didn't speak any English. <laughs> and I would just point to the words. She, did she know Estonian then, or was she just as... She didn't know any Estonian. I felt like Lassie, you know, to... <laughs> Now, tell us about your, your daughter. Is, uh, what language is your daughter going to learn? Well, it seems like she's, <laughs> she's leaning towards... Well, she's going to be bilingual because I speak to her only in Estonian. And my wife, Molly, speaks to her in English. And her first full sentence was in Estonian, which uh, was ma which means I don't want... <laughs> And she's saying it all the time, over and over. Oh, no. Other questions? Yes. When is the cruise? Oh, the cruise is the next day after the season finishes. Yes. So during this very busy period, we have to rehearse for it. Yes. So your, your question is about bringing the dance Apollo to Estonia, and the question was, San Francisco Ballet... Well, San Francisco Ballet has done it here, correct? Uh, I did it my first season with the company. Mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough to do f- two shows, I think. And, um, yes, I, I'm, I'm not sure if they are... Well, for next season, we're not bringing it back, so... On the cruise, who will be performing? Interested in your cast list. Uh, on the cruise, it's uh, Jim Sofranco, Francis Chung, and Sarah Van Patten, and myself. Sarah Van Patten, who is working extremely hard. I, just, I, I feel like I have to mention this because she's doing Princess and Mermaid, and she's virtually... Well, she's performing every day. So flipping 
between roles. It is extremely hard, and despite that, she's still able to rehearse for this cruise, which is amazing. I think she just deserves like a hands of applause. Yes. <laughs> Sarah will be the mermaid this afternoon, so you'll see her perform. Yes? Uh, is Estonia known as a springboard for dancers to the world stage? Is Estonia, is Estonia known as a springboard for dancers on the world stage? I'm not, I'm not sure. I, um, there occasionally pop up a couple of Estonians somewhere in some companies. I mean, there, there was a very successful couple of Estonians in English National Ballet, Thomas Edor and Agnes Ox, and now they're um, both, Thomas is the director in a company in Estonian National Ballet, and Agnes is the assistant uh, director, so um, there, there has been a lot of principal men in the various companies, like in Colorado Ballet, and there is a soloist in Houston, and um, so they occasionally pop up. Yes. Do you have any favorite dancers? Careful. Dances. <laughs> oh, dances. Oh, sorry. Good. Favorite ballets, favorite dances. Oh, favorite ballets. That will probably, that I like to watch or like the roles in them, the roles. Well, I loved Romeo and Juliet. I've, I, uh, that's how I met my wife. She was brought in to be my Juliet, and uh, she was a guest uh, leading principal, and she, so she was my Juliet, so that has a really deep meaning to me. Um, I love Giselle, and I love Apollo, so those are like my three dream roles. Another question. Yes. Oh, talking about the floor and the, the, the tech, the, the role of, of, of a good floor versus a bad floor, and has there been some improvements here on the Opera House stage as far as the floor goes, and how important a good floor is to a dancer's performance? Well, in Estonia, we, we have just a hard wooden floor, and in England, I was very unfortunate to be dancing on often just concrete. Ooh floors, um, there is, uh, it was a really nice surprise to come here and find the Spran floor, and uh, it made me feel like I could jump way higher, and it was, it was just, it gives me such elevation and uh, enthusiasm to dance and jump more, um, less pains because of that, and uh, yeah, they just take good care of the dancer here. I mean, also there's a Marley covering. You want to talk about the covering that's on most dance floors? Oh, yes. It's, uh, when, when I was little, our school were just wooden floors. They were just kind of polished wooden floor. 
uh, you can't have any shellac or anything on it because it's too slippery. It just has to be bare wood, and you use water to give it a little bit of friction. And even I remember the theater in Estonia when they were performing, it was just wooden floor. So Marley, my first experience with Marley was like in my, in my first year in ballet uh, company when they just brought it in and we were just getting used to this Marley thing. So. Kind, of a plastic, kind of a rubberized plastic type of a coating that prevents you from slipping and yeah. you don't have to use rosin or sprinkle water on it or... I can take one last question. Yes. How did you happen to come to San Francisco Ballet? How did you happen to come to San Francisco Ballet? I was at the time in England, and uh, they had just come to perform in London, and I went uh, to see them, and you know, I, I heard all this publicity about them, how wonderful and how the new works are happening in San Francisco. And so I just felt like I was losing out on something. And uh, being very hungry artist, I wanted to experience more dance. And so I auditioned and I got in. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Teet Helmets, and thank you, dear audience, for joining us today and supporting San Francisco Ballet. You can listen to other Meet the Artist interviews on our website at sfballet.org. But first, let's give a hand to Teet. Thank you very much. Thank you.